Willing is not enough, we must apply. Willing is not enough, we must do. A fantastic quote from the late Bruce Lee. The reason why I share this quote with you today is because we live in a generation now that everyone wants the easy way out. The problem that people have is that everyone is always looking for instant gratification with minimum amount of work. Doing the same thing over and over again without a plan may times at times yield no results. You need to put a concise plan, educate, understand, learn, and grow. Knowing is not enough, folks. Let me repeat that. Knowing is not enough. We must do every single day. If you execute a concise plan of action, you will get to where you need to go. At Hearts Facts Fitness, our goal is to continue to provide you with the tools you need to do a better understanding, learn, and execute a plan of action. Stop looking for the shortcut and really push your limits to learn. Welcome to episode six, the importance of understanding blood work. Hey guys, welcome to episode six, all things blood work with a great, great group of people who we have here today. We have Jason Theobald for, from Scooby Prep Nutrition. Jason? Yep, yep. Chris Neal from Viking Alternative Medicine. Hey, how's it going? And our co-host, Sonia Spiel from Team Body Lab Seattle. How are you guys? Wonderful. Living doing great, doing great. Sun is shining here, we can't be mad. Oh, it's been nice here, hasn't it, in Seattle? I mean, I, I don't even want to hear what Tampa's like or what Kentucky's like, guys. <laughs> you guys are probably, <laughs> yeah. This is all really new for us, so we're just living in it right now. We were only 60 okay. days the sun. It's a little chilly, only, actually. That's like summer weather here. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I went, I went to the pool the other day. <laughs> <laughs> I've been spending a lot of time in Florida. I've been in Tampa. It's, it's been, it was nice, yeah. No, it's yeah. funny because every time every time the sun comes out here, and, and Soda, you know this, like during the like spring, summer, forget it, man. Everybody starts taking days off, and they're like at the lake. At, at, let me get some sun. Let me get some sun, right? Because it's rare here. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, guys, we have a great episode today. We wanted to take, uh, we've discussed a little bit about nutrition. We talk about hormone optimization with Chris in a couple of episodes around. We talk about PEDs. We've talked about a lot of really good topics. Uh, and our efforts today is to nail down a little bit more in detail the importance of lab work. Uh, a little bit, uh, some of the, some of the, the uh, topics that we're going to discuss today are going to be a little bit, uh, I don't want to say compl- complex, but we will try to make it as easy as possible so that we can uh, inform and educate uh, not only the bodybuilding lifestyle people, but also the gen, gen pop that are listening to our podcast today. Uh, why don't we start today with, um, with Jason. Jason, uh, he's, uh, he's been a coach for some time now, and he's actually probably seen hundreds of different labs from clients all around the world. Uh, Jay, uh, Jay, why don't you share with us what are the things that you actually look for uh, from a competition standpoint when you look yeah. at labs? Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, if we're talking the female side, a lot of times what I'm seeing that becomes problematic um, is low progesterone. So, you know, they have like secondary menorrhea, um, progesterone's too low. So then they have relative estrogen dominance going on, uh, a lot of anxiety, um, wonky periods, you know, irregular trouble sleeping because progesterone is usually the calming hormone. I see thyroids then that are off. Um, and a lot of times, um, you know, they may not be clinically low, which would mean like on a free T3 under 2.0 on most labs, but they're, they're not optimal, you know? And 
So, and then of course with women, I still see low testosterone scores and all these things. I mean, bodybuilding is a hormonally driven sport or, you know, endeavor if we don't want to call it a sport. And so you need these things to be optimized. Um, I still check liver. I still check kidneys. I still check all those things. Glucose, of course, fasted insulin. You want, you want, uh, the, the glucose to be a nice number and in range 75 to probably, you know, 90, you know, somewhere around there. Um, if someone's, you know, not insulin sensitive, that's going to impact how they diet. Um, so, you know, those are checked as well. Um, and then in men, I see, I don't see it as often. You don't see as many men um, under the age of 40 with low T in, in the bodybuilding world, especially if they're natural athletes. A lot of times it goes lower when they prep, but then it comes back a lot easier than it does in women. Um, I see women's hormones kind of stay down more um, after dieting and, and being put through a couple diet phases. Um, but with men, you'll see low T. You'll also see thyroids that are sluggish too if, the low, if they do have low T. Um, um, you know, sometimes estrogen's off, but a lot of times in men, it's a lot of testosterone, a lot of cholesterol issues, um, things of that nature. So I don't know how specific you want to get just right now, but you know, men low T and I've kind of, kind of hit the women's pretty hard. So I know you mentioned insulin sensitivity, uh, in, in actually men, I think you mentioned, or maybe you went both, in. both sexes. It's the same. I mean, you, what, you what want, markers do you use to, to analyze insulin sensitivity in the blood? I, I use three. Well, shit. Well, yeah. So you use fasted glucose. At least I do. I use A1C and I use fasted insulin. And the reason I do that is because, you know, if, if someone just looks at fasted glucose, there's Dawn phenomenon and they could be high. Um, but then I'll be like, okay, well, why don't you eat three and then check it three hours. And then they're giving me a nice 85 and 83 and, you know, they were over a hundred in the, in the morning. And so, you know, that then you're like, okay, well let's look at their A1C and then, you know, it's under 5.3. So, you know, they're not doing too bad. It's just a Don phenomenon situation. Can you explain what A1C is for, for gen pop? It's the average of three months of your blood glucose numbers. Um, a lot of times if you take like the number you have times 18, this isn't an exact science, but you take it times 18 and that'll tell you about what your average glucose score is, uh, for the day. So if it's 5.3 times 18, that might be like 101. And then, so that's where you are. And that's taken into account, you know, after you've eaten and things like that, cause you do go higher, you know, 140s, 150s kicks in and all that's being taken into account in that A1C. But I look at fasted insulin too. And this is when I teach my hormone course, this is one of the hardest ones for people to get. You have to look at that because they might be, they might have a good glucose score, but their insulin's up to 16. Well, what that's telling me is they're cranking out insulin to keep up. And if their body keeps doing that, the gland is going to eventually crap out. It'll dip. And then now their blood glucose skyrockets and they show the signs of prediabetes or, you know, type two diabetes. So I look at all of them to get the clear picture. And then if there's a problem, lower the carbs, up the fats, glucose disposal agents, metformin, if, if they have to get through an HRT clinic, all those things um, to kind of combat it. Jason, do you feel like you start to see that insulin response when someone's been pounding carb tartar? Yes. I watch it a lot like with my male bodybuilders who are up in 600, 700 carbs. I'm like, listen, you know, we're taking a cruise phase right now. I want you to drop gear down to 200. And by the way, I want, I want some blue blood glucose readings to see if I need to drop carbs down, put you on more fats, see what we're doing here. But yeah, you know, some people can push carbs and six, five, 600 carbs and, and they're like 85s on blood glucose nonstop. Yeah. 
But then other people like myself, <laughs> uh, yeah, figure, figure Chris ain't me. That's I'm not, not me. Fuck you, no. <laughs> I'm not like That's that. Me. I start pushing it. My CRP goes wonky. Um, I get, you know, my, I have a blood glucose over 100 in the morning. You know, I'm starting to have them high postprandial. And, you know, so I don't have that luxury. So I learned early on how to, how to kind of figure all this out and try to protect myself. And now I watch it for my guys too. I watch it for women too. I mean, if women have to push cows, uh, to get going, um, and growing, I, I, I'll watch it too. But if a woman has only 200 carbs in her diet and, you know, doesn't, I don't always, you know, say, Hey, I have to get all these readings from you. You got to prick your finger four times a day, you know? So. So I have a question. I know that, um, you mentioned the, uh, the, uh, the glu- your glucose reading and I know myself and I know uh, based on what Chris was mentioned he's one of those guys I'm not it if I anytime I start pushing 500 when we were pushing 500 my morning fasted glucose was starting to go into 110 and, and it would stay there right, right. Uh, outside of that you, you would use other factors to determine whether you're basically ha- having insulin sensitivity issues uh, other factors, I mean, just watching the body. So if someone, you know, goes from staying nice and lean to, it looks like they're adding more body fat every, every week and the carbs are high, you know, I'm going to at least probably want to get, get a reading to see, cause now they're partitioning food just less efficiently. And that's what happens as you lose insulin sensitivity. You start to feel it too, like less pumps going into the gym, less yep. efficiency, mm-hmm. feeling yep. tired. Pumps will um, be worse, tired, sluggish. Start to happen, more bloating. So yep. Yeah, there's a lot that can actually be the first signs before you might even see blood readings change just because like you said, fasted blood glucose can, that can be changing just depending on your sleep the night prior. What about hydration guys? Can you dive into a little bit about hydration, Jason? Uh, I know that a lot of times you can read a little higher in your pre your, your uh, fasted glucose in the morning. If you're you not can, I mean, a lot of times, like if someone has a, a high reading, I might say, just go ahead and hydrate. Don't even eat. Let's hydrate and see what happens. And a lot of times you can see that number drop on some people, 10 points. It's also a good point. Like if you have uh, anyone who monitors their blood glucose, while they're loading for a bodybuilding show, I do this myself. Um, the, you know, if, if you're someone who uses a diuretic or cuts water a little bit, that's going to affect it too. And you'll see those readings go higher than, than normal. And it's kind of like a false, false, positive, false high. So what are you looking at in terms of thyroid? And I know we're, we want to have a whole, and I talked to Sonia about this. We want to have a whole episode on thyroid, uh, but I know you see some yeah. downregulation in thyroid also. Do you see yeah. that often with your, your, I'm assuming you do when you're doing contest prep on some of your clients, you're seeing some downregulation of thyroid. Oh yeah. I mean, you remember after a diet, there's going to be uh, some downregulation of thyroid. So some of that's, you know, a, a natural occurrence, you know, the, the, even just dropping body fat and, you know, a little bit of muscle that's going to be lost, you're going to be less efficient. Your body's going to, you know, downregulate. But what happens is what I'm seeing is when it doesn't come back. So, you know, maybe someone has a gut issue and now they're not converting T4 to T3 properly, you know, in, in the gut and about 30, 40% there. Um, so you, you have these, these lingering issues. Um, but, you know, I, what I've found, and not to bash doctors because we need them, but they only look at TSH and T4. And you're not even looking at free T3. Um, you know, it, so, so let me backtrack. I look at TSH. I look at free T4 and free T3. And then some um, TPOAB, because uh, there's a lot of Hashimoto's going on in our sport these days, especially in women. There's a lot of uh, antibodies just for those of you. Antibodies. Those are going to be yeah. the antibodies. So if the thyroid is being attacked, the antibodies are going to be elevated yep. and that can happen. And actually Hashis, if you're not running TPO antibodies, can get missed a lot. Oh yeah. Yeah. It gets missed a ton. Um, and 
so, you know, those are the things that I look for in, in a thyroid. And I mean, if we're talking ranges, TSH, I really like it under two, uh, down to 0.5, somewhere in there. But, you know, if someone's 2.5 and they have a great free T3 score of, you know, 3.4 or higher, I, I'm not freaking out. But a lot of times, you know, you'll see doctors prescribe thyroid medicine based on TSH and T4 only. And if they would look at the free T3, and I've seen really efficient converters. I've seen people who have low T4, but their T3 scores are 3.4, 3.5. So they're really efficient. And you wouldn't need, you wouldn't need thyroid meds in that case, really. Um, so, you know, maybe you give them a little mineral support to, to bring down a TSH or something, but if their free T3 is really rocking, I personally wouldn't, wouldn't put them on something. So you want to look at all those values when you're looking at thyroid. Um, it's pretty important. Another reason why it's like when you're out there in the, in the bodybuilding side of things, we're going to dive into gen pop and like really nail it home with Chris too, but he like, you don't want to just go get T3 because your coach said to jump on T3 and start taking that to lose weight in a prep. You really want to know what's going on with your thyroid before you start messing around with it, because it may not bounce back the way you need it to. And it may already be in one position. And then you just threw gasoline on a fucking fire that you can't put out and you won't see in labs until it's too late. Your hair's falling out. Your metabolism's downregulated. You can't lose weight. It's really important to be looking at all of these markers not just like before a dieting phase, but especially before you're going to get into any sort of, you know, additional super, super supplements and protocols to really know where your health is. So you're not really just destroying your body. And one of the things that we also know, um, and Jason, you may want to chime in and I, and I can see Chris doing his, making his, <laughs> with his head. So Chris, we're coming to you, buddy. Don't <laughs> hang, hang tight there. Uh, one of the things that um, I've actually heard a lot of coaches that maybe are not as experienced as Jason or other coaches, right? Um, they'll put a, a customer on T3 and then they don't taper them down. They just cut them straight. Like, you know, they'll, they'll ramp up to hundred micrograms and all of a sudden it's like, boof, you're off. Right. What is that? What, what have you seen Jay in, in how do you approach that, that, that type of uh, protocol when you're running T3 for customers? So I don't use it much. Um, I'll be honest. The main areas I use it in are women who want to do physique. You know, the physique standards are tough. Um, you know, you got those glutes dry and, you know, that's just where things are going in the pro leagues, even though they said it wasn't going to be that way. Um, and even <laughs> at the national level. Um, so T3, I don't use a ton. I don't have a ton of men that I even need to bother with it. Um, but it seems to be women in the physique realm need it. Um, so I try honestly not to go above 50 micrograms, to be honest with you. And I start at 25. Um, but as far as coming off, um, the medicine does titrate a little bit on its own just because of half-lives, but it is nice to kind of back it out. So if you're at 50, go to 25, then maybe you can ride that, you know, for a week. Um, what I do at that point is I start putting our thyro boost in from new ethics and that gives glandular support plus uh, the mineral support. And then I can just work T3 out. Now we've got more mineral support to kind of get the gland going again and kind of try to, you know, Try to, try to get off that way and not have such a down regulation. And then you can drop the thyroid boost in a while after you've raised carbs, brought metabolic capacity back up, and that will help support the thyroid because more carbohydrates will get it going too. So you're kind of like preventing that lull and that down, um, down regulation as much as you can and going that direction. But again, like if you, if you cap it, the lower you, the lower you keep the dose, the, the more, the easier it seems to be to come off you got these people go above hundred mics and things like that. I, that's where I think a lot of problems kind of kick in my opinion. 
one of the things that I actually was talking, I had <laughs> sent Chris a, a text message on Sunday. And I know Chris probably gets bombarded with text messages, but I had to share this, this information. Look at Chris laughing already. And I actually might have shared it with you, Jason, yesterday when we were talking. Uh, I have a, a, one of my friends, and I had mentioned before during our, our previous podcast, uh, has low T. And, um, and I, he said, so tell me, what can I do? What can I do to, um, to fix this? I said, look, man, get some labs, go to your doctor. He doesn't want to pay the, the lab fee. So he goes, I'll go to my doctor. He went to his doctor and his doctor's asking him, asking him, why do you want all these tests? He goes, well, I feel bad. I feel sluggish. I have brain fog. I'm fat. I don't feel great. I want to have, I want to check my thyroid. I want to check all these things. And the doctor basically says, well, why do you want estrogen? And he says, well, because I want to, I want to make sure that all my hormones are being tested. Make sure where I'm at. He goes, yeah. you don't need estrogen. That is the female testosterone. <laughs> yeah. Female yeah. testosterone. Yeah. And she declined them. Straight out declined them. Says he can't get those tests. So I said, oh, you wow. know what? This is bull. I mean, I'm texting with my friend. I'm like, this is bullshit, bro. This is bullshit. I said, you know what? Just go to a private MD labs or another lab. You know, I'll pay for your labs. And this guy's not. He's well off. He is not about money. It's about not knowing. Right. The not knowing factors would really we, we are trying to drive even with our with our podcast at, at Harfax Fitness is knowledge is power. And sometimes you, we think that doctors, they because they have that MD, they know. But when it comes to hormones, I mean, I hear horror stories that you wouldn't believe it. Just like this whole thing about, you know, estrogen is the, is the, is the, is the female testosterone thing and you don't need it. You don't need to know what it is. Right. I beg to differ. <laughs> so I'm gonna beg to differ on that one. Okay, well, go ahead, go ahead, share with me your experience. No, I mean I, it's definitely not the female testosterone. Oh yeah, okay. I was gonna say okay, let's talk about this. I like I like I like a different point of view. So with that being said, um, so Sonia, why don't you? It, it's let's let's have an opportunity to talk to Chris. Why don't you run through a, a, a typical panel and, and Chris can dive into what he what he sees in, in, yeah. in those. Before panels. before before you before you jump into that, if I just, if I could just throw something out there. Um, because for a lot of people, whether even if they're like bodybuilders or, um, you know, or they're they're and I, I'm going to I'm going to lump um, uh, a lot of athletes into this mix. So I'm, I'm talking bodybuilders, powerlifters, fitness models um, and other types of athletes that, that are that are um, into um, are looking and in, in, in exploring and learning about performance medicine is what I like to call it. Um, so so that's more of our athletes. Right. And, and Jason is, uh, he's, he's a coach, you know, Sonia is too. And, and these are some of the, and I work with coaches a lot, you know, with my patients, these are two, I can already tell just, I just met Jason not too long ago, but like, but Sonia we've met, you know, and, and they are some of the most intelligent coaches out there. Most coaches are not at this level at all, you know? So like, this is, this is awesome. So the, um, so I always like to look at big picture first. And this is one of the first things that I talk about with a new patient that's coming in um, because I kind of set the stage for what type of journey we're going into here. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a car guy. I'm always talking about cars and stuff, but like um, I, I think a great picture of this whole thing is, um, is uh, Danica Patrick. Like everybody's heard of Danica Patrick, right? Very successful, like race car driver. You know, she was a formula one driver. I saw an interview once where they interviewed her, um, her crew chief, you know, the, the mechanics and stuff. And, and they, they asked them like, okay, why is Danica Patrick so successful? Why is it that, you know, she, she does so well. And they, they said, and, and it just clicked right now when, when Jason was talking, um, the reason why is because, well, as, as a female, they're, they're very connected to um, their uh, communication. They communicate very well. And 
she feels the car. She listens to her car as she drives. And as she's driving, you know, they have a microphone in their, in their helmet. She's talking nonstop as she's driving. And most drivers, like if you've ever really like raced or driven, you know, you're in the zone. Like you don't want to talk to anybody. You know, you're just, you're trying to, you know, work the corners and stuff. But she's constantly talking about every little aspect of her car. So it, in a way, it's a lot like this. Like, so if you're, if, if you are interested in, um, in performance medicine as a professional athlete, or even as a, as a, um, as just someone that wants to lose weight, you know, and get into this, you're, you're the, this is your journey. You're the driver. So the three of us or four of us here, we're mechanics and we're just kind of talking shop. You know, this isn't necessarily our car that we're working on. So we can talk mechanical things all day long and that might may or may not go over your head. But what we need to hear from our clients and our patients is what is the car drive like? What does it feel like? Is there a vibration in, in you know, the driver's side, you know, um, uh, front tire, you know, or what? Any, any little, little variable. And that's the most important thing to focus on. And then you get yourself a good crew chief. You get yourself good people around you that are intelligent and they can work through the detail. You'll pick up details and you'll learn stuff, you know, as you go along. But unless you just want to be a backyard mechanic and do it all yourself, I, I wouldn't suggest that. You know, the, um, you know, these forums are great and I love geeking out on them, believe me. But like, but big picture, you know, listen to your body. First thing is to know how to listen to your body, you know, and know how to communicate that with good, good staff and good people that you trust, you know, and, and that, that is, that will take you everywhere. And then we'll take care of the rest, you know, that then, you know, and Jason, what do you think? Am I, no, you see that? You're definitely right. I mean, it, it, you know, it takes a lot of people to, not a lot of people, but you should have good people in your corner with the education to get it right. You know, I mean, that's, that's, that's how you're going to stay healthy in the sport or just healthy, even if you're not a competitor, just pushing your body to new, new heights. So. Yeah. And I I hear this all the time. I'll have guys call me up and they're like, well, I want to change everything to this, 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 because that's what such and such on YouTube does. And it's like, (laughs) whoa, (laughs) no, 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 no. And, And then, you know, going from there and then now looking at, looking at the, another thing I want to mention is like the Western medicine as a whole, we have to understand and at least acknowledge where we are that um, basically everybody knows that Western medicine sucks when it comes to performance medicine. I hate to say it that way because that's I was trained in Western medicine, but they, they, they do, they just, they just suck. And the reason why is because they just don't understand and they don't, they've never, they've never thought this way. They've never studied this way. And so if, our, if, if your doctor, most of the primary care doctors, not all of them, but 99.9% of them, they, um, they really have no idea what the hell they're talking about. So where do you think they got that information from? You know, they got that information from, you know, the, a lot of the research studies, which are, which are just biased and they're just not that, not good. And nobody researches how to feel awesome. They're outdated, you know? So, so, you know, I had somebody trying to throw research studies to me and I'm like, dude, they, you know, the whole, we have to retrain how we look at our bodies, our performance, our health, and all of this all together. We have to. And then if, so the labs, the reference ranges in the labs are based in that exact same system. So we can't even look at, and guys will tell me, well, look, I'm in the reference range or I'm this in the reference range. It's like, forget the reference range. We have to understand how the body understand how the body works with these hormones because the body doesn't work off of numbers. You know, we have to understand how it fits, what's healthy, what's not. And our, our framework for performance is completely different than the reference ranges, which is more of a framework with, are you, are you dying or not? You know, um, yeah. and that's basically what, you know, Western medicine is focused on. So, so you have to kind of blow that completely open when you first walk down this like rabbit hole 
And with that perspective, it makes everything so much easier. A lot of the studies too, when you really look at it, are not really used like with, with resistance trained population. Um, a okay. lot of it is in an obesogenic population or mm -hmm. an elderly population. When you really start reading studies and you start to look at like the people that they're actually using in these placebo studies, in these, you know, research trials and clinicals and all this kind of stuff, a lot of them are in this like obesogenic population or definitely not resistance trained athletes. And, yeah. then and if you don't read the fine print, if you don't read the fine print, you'd never know. Exactly. Because right? like if one if one of us tried to go up and say, hey, I want to be a part of this trial, this sure research study, we'd get kicked out from the beginning. Like oh, we don't want to. You're yeah, an outlier. Absolutely. absolutely. You're like, a yeah. yeah, you would be like a, gen a genetic outlier. Yet we take that information mm -hmm. and we want to use it as like a quote unquote blanket statement. So it's like what should apply for me? right should apply for you chris would apply for you jason and then also you ron like all different styles all different dieting history all different genetics and we can't just throw one thing and be like okay everyone should be between like seven and 52 it's like well where's optimal right and then where's yeah. optimal for this person and then one further based on their genetic d disposition their dieting history what their goals are what's optimal because that's also different as well is your goal healing is your goal growing is your goal better sex drive is your goal less stress because those things matter as well i always talk about like the triangle of awareness right and it's like you, you like kind of knowing when people come to you is your goal performance like is it a strength is it to look better naked just to be shredded or is it to have overall health because those most of the time are not all going to be the same thing and I think mm -hmm. our goal also, so I started, sorry to interrupt you. Yeah. I think our goal should be all of it. I mean, first, and, and I think Jason does a very good job of doing this, you know, any, anytime that a customer, I mean, and correct me if I'm wrong, Jay, do yeah. you always try to get labs in order to, to get them into a healthy spot with, before you even diet them down. And even before, yeah. like I have some people that ask me, can you look at my lab work? And, and we have some, a lot of, Chris and Jason and Sonia are much probably better than I am at looking at labs, but I can identify some red markers now and say, man, your triglycerides are up, your cholesterol is bad. I mean, your, your thyroid's a little sluggish. I mean, and, and what did your doctor tell you? And they're like, nothing. He said I was within range. And so in, in effort of trying to help gen general population, not only general population, but it's also, you got to look at the big picture. Yes, everybody wants to look great, but at the same time, we, you, we have to improve. You have to work from the inside out. If your hormones are not optimized, if your cholesterol is bad, you got to fix that before you even go into a cut. Uh, and obviously, I think the majority of, of, of people are always looking to lose body fat, right? Everybody wants to look shredded. Everybody wants to look great. And they're not willing to take the time to fix their hormones. And uh, in, so in, with, with that being said, can we go over some of the panel? I know, Sonia, you, you have a, an example. Yeah. I mean, I, I know pretty well, but we'll, we'll dive into them. I have them in order. Like, why don't we just like we'll, we'll kind of round table it. So the CMP is always going to be the comprehensive metabolic panel. It's normally, if you guys have labs at home, you can grab them out and kind of follow along with us. Right. And it's normally going to be, um, like overall health and a lot of the liver and the kidneys function. Um, and so like, we'll start with Chris, Chris, for you, what are some things that are red flags on that or that you're looking are in order before you work with a client or are looking for red flags to address underlying issues? In the, and you said in the CMP? CMP, yeah. So bun, creatinine, so, Yeah. So, you know, obviously the, the first one in your, in the CMP is your, is your blood, you know, your blood sugar, your glucose. So um, I think Jason hit on that really, really well. Um, you know, so it's something, 
Yeah, it's something I look at, you know, if they're if they're fasted or not, you know. Um, the the BUN is an is a very interesting number. Um, well, the going into kidney function, that's your BUN, your blood urea, nitrogen, your creatinine, and your GFR. So um, those are those are uh, fascinating numbers, I think. For BUN, uh, that tells us a lot about how much protein your body should be taking in. You know, it's basically the nitrogen type products that are that are working their way into the kidneys. You know, the, the kidneys are working to process out. So, you know, we, we obviously don't want to underprotonate. you know, then we can't recover as well. We don't want to overprotonate or we stress out our kidneys. So what's that sweet spot? And everybody's very different with that. If your testosterone is high, that means your body wants to use protein, you know, towards, towards, uh, you know, building recovery anabolic character. So, um, so then you can handle more protein. If your testosterone is low, I see a lot of guys that come to me low testosterone, they're trying to eat their way into maintaining more muscle and they're killing their kidneys, you know, because their body just doesn't care about protein. So it's just going to send it all to the kidneys to be worked on and it stresses them out. So, um, uh, so the BUN is something I look at, um, your GFR, your flow rate, you know, it's the, the, that's basically the, how fast it's a speed calculation. It's how fast your kidneys are flowing. Um, so, um, so it, it, it tells us, you know, uh, it can give us, you know, it, it all, all, all of the, especially the kidney numbers are, um, are, um, they are also related to your level of hydration too. So we have to take that into consideration. You your creatinine. High, high BUN levels. If you have, you know, low stomach acid issues too, if you're dehydrated, yeah. I'll check that. Yeah. Chris, yeah. There's a lot that goes into it. So, yeah. I have a question. Uh, what's a, what's a red flag marker for uh, a GFR? Let's say what what is a red flag that you see if you see this number? This is something that's not good for you because I, I'm assuming that if you have a low GFR but your BUN is normal, then you're running into some major kidney problems and you might not be a good candidate yeah. for T anyway, right? Well, I like uh, okay. Well, that last statement um, uh, you said you might not be a good candidate for 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 testosterone. For testosterone? Yeah. So testosterone is a kidney protector. Okay. Testosterone will not hurt your kidneys. It, it, if anything, it makes your kidneys, it makes it, it, it eases up a lot of stress off your kidneys. So um, there've been a lot of studies that show that kidney, uh, that testosterone can reverse a lot of, um, uh, or at least make, uh, even reverse a lot of uh, degenerative um, kidney issues because it takes a big load off of them. Okay. Um, because if you think about it, like the kidneys are, um, if you think about the body, like a factory, the kidneys are on the back end of the factory towards the garbage. Like, you know, right they're, they're, they're ex on the excretion side to process stuff out. So, um, if your whole factory all of a sudden now actually wants to use the raw materials that it has available to it, then it's going to be throwing away less stuff, you know, to be excreted. So now the kidneys can, can kind of sit back. They don't have as much stress, you know? So, um, so there, there, there really isn't anything in the kidney numbers that would tell me, Hey, you shouldn't be on testosterone. Is that including mm -hmm. physiological dosages, not TRT dosages, but people that are running, you know, a thousand milligrams or 500 or 750 milligrams of tests would that stress your kidneys at all? Or you're saying that any dosage no. would prevent, it wouldn't do it. No, I think no, I the, wouldn't. the super supplements that would be added on top of stacks, maybe the yeah, non, I mean, there's non-prescribes. Uh, well, any, anything in the anabolic steroid world, uh, well, let me, let me see. And the an anabolic steroids, that category yeah. does not stress your kidneys. You know, it, it really does. now there, there's plenty of other things that can stress your kidneys, but like, but that, that, uh, that you category you doesn't. Or is that outside of that? Yeah, no, it doesn't stress your kidneys. Interesting. I yeah. think, it I stresses think a lot of, 
stresses a lot of other things, but it won't stress. <laughs> <the kids>. yeah. <laughs> what number would you say it's a red marker? So for some people that are actually looking at their labs right now, if they're, they're going through it, any, what's, a, what's a good GFR number? Um, so I, again, the, the body doesn't work off of numbers. You know, there's so many factors that go into that. So I'm happy with a number greater than 60. I like to see it, you know, 70, 80, 90, 100. That's awesome. You know, if it gets into 50, it's like, okay, maybe something is going on. Maybe you're dehydrated. Maybe like, and I, I just came out with a, with a new supplement. It's called the Viking liver and kidney defense because so many um, athletes and so many, um, so many fitness people, they're working out five, six days, seven days a week, eight days a week, you know? And, um, and whenever we're breaking down muscle, it's releasing waste products that your liver and your kidneys have to work, work through. And, you know, and so a good liver and kidney cleanse is really helpful for that, you know? So, so just working out, you know, six, seven days a week, you know, can, can put some stress on the, on the kidney. So there's other factors to really, really, really determine if you have some serious kidney um, disorder, like cystatin C, there's a bunch of other factors that are kind of expensive to look at, but generally like when you, now when you get into the forties of a GFR, I'm really not happy. Kind of where your skin is shutting down in a sense, right? Or they're um, they're kind of yeah, yeah. The um the creatinine is a number that the way I describe it, I I describe it as that it's a number that tells us how happy the kidneys are, you know. And it's it's a um I describe it vague like that for a reason because it's really a vague, like you know you can't you can't necessarily nail things down on creatinine all the time, but it's a good marker that kind of tells us you know um how how happy you know they are overall you know, the higher the number, the more unhappy they are. So when you get into, when you get over like 1.35, you know, when you get into 1.4, 1.5, you know, it, it's, you know, the kidney's showing signs of stress, you know, typically. So. It's funny though, the, like when we talked about like optimal and then you look on labs, right? Labs are like basically anything over 59 is fine. So, I mean, <laughs> technically you could go in there with a 50, like with a 59 and you're not going to look at flag and you're not, you know, so like that's why we're talking about kind of like learning how to be an advocate for yourself or recruiting people that can help you along your journey that can look between these lines because it does matter especially if you're trying to have an optimal physique or you come from intense training these are things to look at like hey do I need to actually work more on recovery than training right now is this one of the reasons why do I need to move my diet around am I feeling tired and lethargic and having these issues because I'm overtraining and you know maybe over consuming protein my body's not working with it you know could be a number of things, you know? And that's exactly my point from the very beginning. Like this right here, this whole conversation, you know, th this is, this takes time. And we, like all of us here, we take that time with our, with our, with our clients and patients and everything. We just spent like, you know, five, 10 minutes on GFR where, like you said, like if you went to your primary care doctor, if you're at a 59, they wouldn't even, if it's not bold or like in yes. red, they go right over it. You know, they don't even care. So like, this is, you know, this right here, this is not Jiffy Lube. Like we're not, this is not a 10 minute oil change. You know, this is, this is like a serious, like uh, tuning and, and training. And it takes time. It takes patience. It takes understanding and a process, you know. Jason, what about you? What are you looking for? Or like, let's dive into like um, a, a little bit of the electrolyte side of things, like the sodium, potassium, alkaline phosphate, zinc levels, um, ASTs, ALTs. Tell me a little yep. bit what you look for on that and what are some flags for you? Um, I, I do actually look at uh, the alkaline phosphatase. Um, yeah. In my readings and understandings of it, it, it can indicate a, a, a magnesium um, zinc deficiency. Yeah, big zinc. Um, 
So when I see that, you know, that's what I'm thinking. And, and, you know, you can either give that supplement um, separately uh, with new ethics. We have Metapure and it's got all that in it. So it kind of like is an easy way to like fix a lot of those things quickly. Referencing when it's low, when it's low. Yes. It when it's be, lower. Yeah. You start getting thirties. Like, like, yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. yeah. Which um, be a stomach acid issue. People aren't absorbing the nutrients through the correct. food. So they're not getting the magnesium and the zinc yeah. and things of that nature. Yeah. And then it affects thyroid, you know, malabsorption, things like yeah. that as well. Um, so, you know, I will supplement there. Um, let's see sodium, you know, if someone's low, I'll, I'll bring, you know, more sodium into the diet. Um, what else do I look at there? I definitely look at ALT and AST. I mean, those are your liver enzymes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I want to see, you know, so I usually rest my people one to two days before labs to try to not have that impacted because it can be impacted from training. Um, but, you know, if you see like something that's four or five points high, I mean, it's still going to flag high. I'm not really overly alarmed in it, but when I'm starting to see into the hundreds and, and plus, um, <laughs> I, I do take concern and that, that is stress to the liver. The liver is a resilient gland. Um, not like the kidneys where, you know, you really gotta, gotta stay proactive and watch the liver will, you know, take a little more pounding, but, um, there are things I do to try to, to lessen that, you know, I mean, if someone, but then you also have to remember too, like I'm looking at a lot of bodybuilders. And so if someone just ran a cycle of Anavar or Winstrel and all these oral steroids, those are going to be elevated and they might stay elevated for, for, for a good bit. Um, so I definitely look at those. Um, but again, like I said, if it's a few points flagged, I'm not, I'm not concerned, especially in a trained athlete. Um, what else were some of the ones you were? Um, well, we have LDH. Yeah. I'm finishing that up a little bit, but that's pretty much it. I mean, sodium and potassium, any flags on that? We didn't really go over that. Um, you know, I mean, I, other than like adrenal possible, like adrenal fatigue, it's kind of not that big of a, I mean, if something on those are, I'll be honest, if something in those are like really off, um, and maybe there was some stress to the kidneys, I would rather just, I punt sometimes on those to the, to the PCP and say, Hey, see if your doctor's concerned. Yeah. Um, I'd actually be curious to see what Chris's take is on, on those two. So, so when it, when it comes to the electrolytes, um, those, the electrolytes are, very, very tightly controlled by the kidneys. So if you think about the kidneys, the kidneys are basically just a mechanical filter, basically. So the electrolytes are some of the smallest particles that can go through the filter, okay? And they have a very, very strict control over that. So if your kidneys or if your filter is that messed up, that even the smallest particles are not able to filtrate through the way they're supposed to, then you got some major problems. You know, so like, I mean, major, major problems. So you, you've, and um, so if I, if I see someone who's like potassium is like a little off or whatever, and their kidney functions fine and they're, they're healthy, like honestly, and, and, and my guy, like it's extremely rare for me to actually see anything. Occasionally I'll see it in the labs and it's usually a fluke, honestly, yeah. you know, so um, just because it's, it's under such tight control from the kidneys. For sure. You know. I wanted to ask a question, and I know that Jason mentioned in, with regards to sodium. Um, and I, when I talk to people, and they, and I always ask them, "How's your sodium intake?" And they say, "I, I use Himalayan." Would you recommend iodized salt over Himalayan, and why? And I think I know the reason behind, you know, the whole thyroid de uh, deregulation. Why would you recommend one over the other? If you can explain to our to our audience. 
I have both in my house, to be honest with you. And I use both. Um, the, the, the sea salt that I get is, is uh, iodine fortified and you can buy it without, but I do get that on purpose. And my reasoning is just to give more support to the thyroid um, from, from that standpoint uh, with the iodine in it. How about you, Chris? Do you see any, any, any difference uh, if you were to go one over the other? Um, not really. I just think that, you know, iodine is, is something that they've, they've seen a lot of good benefit with, you know, supplementing, you know, you don't have to go crazy with it, but, um, but uh, you know, having, a, having that extra support, it's just a, a small decision that you make, you know, with it, with some of the seasoning salt that you do. I have some people that like, they like to, you know, they'll drink their gallon of water a day and then put, you know, so however much, you know, salt in there. I don't know if I like would necessarily do that, like, you know, but like some people, some people, you know, they, they, they do that. And, you know, but, but I, you know, generally speaking, I would just say I die, but, you know, and just leave it at that. So moving down yeah. the panel with the CBC. So um, the CBC is a complete blood count. Um, that's going to be the part of your labs that evaluates overall health of a person's uh, like basically anemia, infections, leukemia, um, red blood cells, white blood cells, inflammation markers. Um, so for you guys, is there anything on there that you're always looking like when I read labs, like I'm looking at this, 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 like, is there something specifically that stands out for like bodybuilders and in gem pop that you're looking for? And like, Hey, this is really something that is common that we got to get under wraps or here's a red flag. Um, Chris, why don't you kick this one off? Red blood cells, hemoglobin, hematocrit. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say with TRT. Yeah. Which is absolutely viscosity of the blood guys and how much iron rich protein are in the red blood cells. Um, that's the hemoglobin. Um, and then hemocrat is going to identify the percentage of blood, uh, blood volume, correct? The red, basically it's a percentage of the red type products that are floating around the blood. And that's what, that's what makes the blood thick you know, over time, if you're, if you're not um, donating blood on a regular basis. So when your body's anabolic, the more anabolic your body is, the more, the faster your body's going to build red blood cells. It's generally a pretty slow creep, but it needs to be paid attention to, and you have to donate. It's really like when it comes to gin pop stuff, it's really the only, there's only one scary thing that can happen on TRT for gin pop. And that's it. You know, if you ignore your hemoglobin and hematocrit and don't donate blood, I can't tell you how many people come from other doctors and, and other clinics that they don't even mention it. They don't even check it, you know? Are and you, it's like, it's insane. When you go to a, this is like actually something that somebody messaged me about. He said he went to go donate blood and they said, because he's on TRT, he can't donate. Is that so that's, that's actually, yeah, that's not true. So okay. um, now, now the, the, the distinguishing thing is that when you go to a um, blood donation center, they are going to ask, do there's the, the purpose is, is they want to know that you're getting prescribed, medically prescribed testosterone. So, um, and that's the, they want to make sure you're not getting underground stuff because for them, for them, they assume that if you're, if it's not medically prescribed, then you might as well be picking up, you know, dirty needles you found in the corner of the gym and you're just using that, you know, I mean, that, that's how they look at it, honestly, you know, so, um, uh, so yeah, you, you can go through with them and say, okay, well, no, it's medically prescribed. And usually they're fine, you know, or you can just not say anything. It, it is true what you said, Sonia, though. In the state of Washington, there's only a certain amount of people that um, that once that quota gets filled, they can't accept you anymore. So, so just happened, go in and say, don't say it. Don't say <laughs> it happened to me. Yeah. It happened Save to me. your life. Don't say it. I, I was being genuine and I went and I said, yes, I'm running TRT. And they turned me back out and said, I, we can't mm. take it. 
Yeah, it's happened yeah. to a couple of my clients here. And I'm like, no, no, my coach shows just go donate blood. <laughs> so I learned my lesson. And yeah. what I do is I don't do anything. <laughs> just Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Any, um, Jason, for you, any subs that you like to add in when you start to see uh, hematocrat, hemoglobin, any of these things elevated? Yeah. I mean, I do two things. Um, first and foremost, you know, if we're looking at a bodybuilder, I mean, I'm going to review whatever you know, substances, PEDs, whatever you want to call it that they're, they're using. I mean, certain ones increase red blood count, you know, more, uh, aggressively like equipoise, um, anadrols, things of that nature. Um, I'm also going to, um, just look at their dose of testosterone too, if that's, you know, something that they're running, um, in terms of like supplements that I've found. And then, and then, you know, I will, I will recommend donating blood. Um, I usually, usually my H my CT, my HCT normally drops about anywhere from seven to eight points after donation, which that's going to differ from everyone. You know, some people get more mileage out of it. Um, and then I like Carditone. It's uh, it's a blood pressure um, herbal supplement. And ever since I started it, my hematocrit doesn't go above 50. It's mm-hmm. always at 48. And I always was a 54, 56 guy who'd have to go give blood and, you know, adjust TRT and all these different things. On Carditone, one to two a day, I've been 48 for a while. And so I, I believe that that's how it's lowering blood pressure is by making the blood less viscous. Um, and I really didn't know that mechanism until I just saw it in my labs. I'm like, how the hell am I staying at 48? And, and, and I, that was one thing I changed. So that's this product I do put in. And I do think it helps a lot, especially for guys who are running PEDS or just doing TRT. Because some guys even on TRT just go high. Like, and so do women, like I've seen women on, you know, uh, 10 megs a week, uh, and they go, they start to go high on their, on their hematocrit. So, um, I really like that car to tone supplement. Yeah. Omegas can also help too. Is there like a natural blood thinner, like making sure you're getting in plenty of omegas is big. Go ahead, Ron. So I have a question for Jason. Are you, are you recommending people, would you recommend people to run car to tone, let's say all year round, or is there any side effects that you may want to get off of that? There's no side effects to it. It's just herbs. Um, none that I know of. Um, I'm not saying there isn't something that would interact with something they're taking, but I use it year round. Um, my people who are prone to this, I have them use it year round and it really does a good job. Um, you know, like I said, I've been 48 for a while and it was just never the case. So here's a question for Chris. Chris, will you say that your HCT is the, the drive, the, the key factor to determine whether you need to actually run uh, donate blood is that the is the, is that the one factor that you look at for the most part to say hey you know if your HCT is is a little high it's time to donate blood and yeah what, what because the red the red blood cell count the hemoglobin and the hematocrit those those kind of float together what? in the same direction yeah so I, I like that thing about cardiotone I'm gonna have to check that out and look that up I always recommend yeah. grapeseed extract mm-hmm. um, not grapefruit seed extract but grapeseed extract um, <laughs> for uh, for guys for that same issue um, so. Um, but yeah, I'll have to look at the cardotone thing. Yeah, check out cool. the cardotone because I was always running high and now I don't anymore. It's good stuff. So moving, yeah. oh, that's interesting. That's moving to cholesterol, triglycerides, HDL, let's talk a little bit about um, what you guys are looking for. What is a marker? Because I mean, also genetically, a person can have higher cholesterol and you have to look at like the big picture, right? Sometimes one thing will be flagged and somebody will be freaking out on their labs because it's high, you know, but we have to look at like big picture of cholesterol, total cholesterol, triglycerides. What are you guys looking for as markers and where do you like to see things optimally? Um, Jason, we'll start with you and then Chris will move over to you. Well, I look, I look at all of them. You know, I look at total cholesterol. I look at their LDH. I look at their, you know, I'm sorry, their LDL. I look at their HDL. And, um, you know, their, their trigs as well. 
Um, you know, you can get pretty advanced with these things. You can start looking at particle size, which is probably like probably the most important. Um, but a lot of times you don't get that test. So then, uh, in my opinion, triglycerides are one that you really want to watch. It's, it's particle size and triglycerides, in my opinion, that really kind of show what can, what can happen to your heart and how much at risk you are. Um, I also then after I, the fats in the blood, just for people listening, they're, they're the fats in the blood that can be derived or like from diet or from other factors. So it's something you really want to keep an eye on is normally when they're elevated, it's a pretty good sign that you have something going on, insulin resistance, fatty liver. Um, it could be like H pylori infection. You can have really high cortisol too. And then that's causing the liberation of, of fatty acids. And then it's just dumping. I mean, I had a girl who was 23 one time, her cortisol was 278. And I mean, I've never seen a woman with such bad cholesterol and it was because of the cortisol. We got it resolved and her cholesterol came down. But you know, the interesting thing about that, that, that client was her dad died at 48 of a massive heart attack. And I guarantee she got genetics. He just never caught it. And so now she lives in Mexico and surfs and just kind of tries to keep a low stress life. But yeah, so triglycerides, um, I really watch, um, with, and then total cholesterol, um, <clears throat> HDL. I mean, obviously, I mean, if our listeners don't know, but that, that's kind of like, I like to kind of think of them as like the dump truck. They kind of go in and, and take the sludge out. So, you know, I, you want to be above at least the range. Chris might have a more, a good optimal number, but I mean, I think 50 on HDL and then it, you want to be 50 or above, um, but yeah, I'm looking at all that. But honestly, when I see cholesterol issues, I go and look at CRP too. Because if their CRP is really low and internal inflammation is almost nil, they're really not going to stand the same chance of placking as someone who has a lot of internal inflammation going on. So, you know, how much money do we throw at it? Is it really a true issue? I like krill oil. I like D-limonene, um, you know, some things to, to kind of help sway some of those numbers. Um, but I don't have a, like ranges for, for these. I'm like, oh, these has to be here. I kind of first take a glance to see if any of them are elevated. Do I have any clinical, you know, highs? Um, I look at CRP and then I start, you know, all right, well, if, you know, if I have an LDL issue and an HDL issue, I'm gonna get some krill oil and I'm gonna get the D-lemonine and I might put, you know, more extra virgin olive oil in directly the diet, things of those nature um, to kind of balance things out and get more omega-3s. And, you know, it, it seems to kind of help it or, or work itself out over time. I mean, my cholesterol recently was high and I did everything I just told you and I got everything back into really nice, nice numbers. I think my cholesterol went from like 220 to 125. HDL was really low. I got it up to 45. So, you know, lifestyle's huge with those numbers and you can do a lot of tweaks with diet and stuff. Yeah. Inflammation can be a huge one on, on bringing those things down. Chris, what about you? When you're looking at the cholesterol panel, is there anything that you're like, Hey, before we do anything, we need to like, you have people come to you like, we got to get this under control before we add anything in. Or do you normally feel like from the world of HRT that sometimes adding those things in, maybe working on diet, it just seems to work itself out. Like, how is that? How is that when it presents itself to you? Is that process? Well, well, from a, from a gin pop standpoint, um, you know, which is, which is much more broad than someone that you already know is coming to you and they're exercising. They want their diet to be on point and everything, you know? So, um, so I, I look at, you know, there's, there are no prerequisites for cholesterol in order to get started on TRT because TRT is just going to protect your cholesterol or improve it. You know, um, the, the biggest reason, um, the, the biggest reason why, 
people have high cholesterol in the first place in any reason is because everything is just running too slow. You know, your metabolism is just slow. Your body's sluggish. You feel tired, you know, and, and out of it, you know, you're not, and, and your body, your metabolism feels the same way that you do, you know? So like when you're, when, so it's, it's no, no wonder that your numbers are going to look slow and sluggish and tired. So just putting someone on, on TRT is essentially it revs everything up, you know, in many, many factors all over your body, including your cholesterol. So I'll see cholesterol numbers drop significantly just in two months, you know, when, when, for people that I know haven't changed anything at all, you know, and so that's a, that's, it's a big protective factor. Um, other things that we look at too, like, I, I think, um, uh, when, it, when I look at cholesterol, I look at, I look at two different, I look at it through two different lenses from a health standpoint. And I'll tell, I'll tell people, I'm like, okay, this is the health talk. The health talk is you're fine. Now let's do a performance talk performance. This is completely, now we're looking at things a lot tighter, you know, and, and we look at the different aspects of cholesterol and everything and, um, and how they can, how they can tweak their diet and stuff based on, uh, you know, what's high, what's not in there. So, yeah, I love it. Let's dive into that sex binding globulin hormone. Uh, Chris, you want to break down? Um, why don't you break down kind of what it is, why and why it matters, and then we'll go for each of you what you're looking at in that. So when it comes to when it comes to testosterone, um, uh, I, have, I have so many people that come to me and they say, "Well, if I could just get my testosterone to," and they pick a number, a thousand or whatever, then I'll be great, you know. And it, there's there's it's. It's so much more complicated than that. It, it's, um, yeah, it's, it, it, it really is. So um, uh, testosterone is, is kind of like this. So a lot of people that have, that have begun to do any kind of research, they, they, they hear about something called free testosterone. It's like, okay, well, there's total testosterone and there's free testosterone. So the way free testosterone works, it's kind of like this. If I were to bring Jason into my kitchen and say, okay, Jason, I'm going to give you a thousand pennies and I lay them all out on the kitchen table right? And you say, Chris, sweet. That's awesome, man. A thousand pennies. That's great. It looks like I have a lot total, you know, and you get ready to pick them up and use them and spend them or do anything with them at all. You realize, oh, hold on. Wait a minute, Chris. 700 of these pennies are glued down to the table. You know, it might look like I have a thousand, but I really only have 300 that are free that I can do anything with, you know, and that's your free testosterone. The glue in that story is your sex hormone binding globulin. So everybody has a little bit different amount of glue. Some people, you know, now most people are somewhere in men and women, most people are somewhere around the range of, you know, 25 to um, uh, 25 to 35, 40, you know, or so, but everybody's very different with that. Everybody's very, very different, especially when they are, they, they really can, uh, can, can vary, but that number, basically it is what it is. It's very difficult to adjust that number. Um, and it, it, it takes a lot and it might not ever adjust, you know, but in most cases, it's a number that helps us understand your machine, you know? So if you have a lot of glue, then now all of a sudden, Jason doesn't have 300 pennies to work with. He only has a hundred pennies to work with total testosterone is still a thousand, but he feels like he has a lot less. So, um, so it's a, it's one of those one of those interesting factors that it's a good baseline to get, you know, that helps us understand um, things. And it's usually what the interesting part is that it usually doesn't have a huge deal to do with um, your overall testosterone balance per se. It has more to do with your estrogen because sex hormone binding globulin does the exact same thing to estrogen. 
So um, it's really an, uh, um, a struggle for guys that have a low, super low SHBG of like, say like 15 and below. This is when, guys, this is when, we, when I usually have to have a conversation with guys about it. Um, because if you have a, only a small amount of glue, now all of a sudden Jason doesn't have 300 pennies or 100 pennies. Now he's got 600 pennies to work with. So he's like, man, this is awesome. I feel like Superman. I feel so much better than everybody else that has a, a thousand testosterone. And he does. But the problem is, is that that same factor or that, that same um, relative issue also applies to his estrogen. You have estrogen and you also have free estrogen. Same thing, same amount of glue. So whatever your total testosterone is, if your SHBD is low, whatever your total testosterone is, you might feel like you're double, you know, whatever your total testosterone is because of how much free you have. Now, if, and that, yeah, it's Ron, like that's absolutely Ron. So, is that a, but do you see that as a problem? Uh, well, it's a double-edged sword, you know, so you, you might think a lot of people think, oh man, that's awesome. That means a little bit goes a long way for me, you know, but the problem comes is not in the testosterone at all. The problem comes in the estrogen because you, whatever your estrogen number is, you're going to feel a lot higher than what you actually are too. So if your estrogen is a 40, estradiol, excuse me, is a 45, you say, oh man, 45, is not too bad. Really? You feel more like a 90 you know, or a hundred. So that's where it becomes, so, that's when it can become uh, an issue. And that's more, that's more from us, like on a shop talk standpoint where we're that the, the intricacies of dialing people in and understanding these things, you gotta, you gotta know that stuff. So would that you know, affect real well. the male's libido then or no? Absolutely. Absolutely. It'll affect everything that whatever estrogen does, it's just, you're, you have a lot more free estrogen running around wreaking havoc, you know, doing whatever estrogen does. Was, it was four. Okay, <laughs> I got it. I got it up to eleven uh, by working on it. Um, wow, four. And my yeah. I was not liking it, and my libido wasn't great. And uh, yeah. I got it up to eleven, and I feel way better. But I had to like come completely off, run HCG, HMG, like one hundred twenty grams of fat in my diet. Like it was quite the process just to get it up to eleven. I've always ran low. So. And, and, you know, it's it, honestly, it's so hard to fight SHBG. It's much easier to understand it and say, okay, well, that's where you are. You know, we have to use a different lens when we look at your engine and adjust your estrogen, you know, based on, est especially your estradiol based on that. So yeah, usually, yeah, usually guys with a, with a super low SHBG, less than 15, usually they need to run their estradiol lower. You know, they need to be at, you know, 10, 15, 20, 25, you know, and then they feel like 50, you know, or whatever, you know, and so. Chris, you're, it's in, it, one second, Sonia, it's, it's, it's like you're describing my entire case and I'm going to share, with you, <laughs> yeah. right? I mean, uh, I yeah. run, and I want to talk a little bit about the ratio between free testosterone and, and uh, total. Uh, I know I run, I think it was like 590 free. And I noticed that my estrogen level was 45, where I think in normal, I want to say normal gen pop is, is about okay. But I noticed for that for me, my libido takes a hit at 45. And I know that my SHBG in the past has been two. <laughs> oh, even lower yeah. than me? Even lower than you, bro. Oh, shit. So, I, I've never so seen just anyone to, lower than me. Just to, kind of put a, just to kind of put a framework behind that. So whatever Ron's testosterone number is, his total testosterone, he has the free testosterone of someone that has three to four times that. Mm -hmm. 
you know, so if his total testosterone is a thousand, he feels he has the free testosterone numbers of another guy that has a 3000 or 4000. And, and, you know, and same thing for his estrogen. Chris, you know? we've and, seen my free, my free test at 980. Um, yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and so it, a nor- so as a reference, like a normal person that has a testosterone of a thousand, their free testosterone is usually 200. Yeah. That kind of makes sense yeah. because I noticed that my, my estrogen level, and I love talking to you guys because it, it all makes sense when you really think about it. Mm-hmm. I feel comfortable at 11 estrogen level. My libido is great. Everything's great. 45, 40, 39. It just is. I'm, I'm not jiving. I'm not feeling that I'm not feeling right. So yeah. it, it all makes sense. Right. I mean, if you put it in perspective and it's, it's how hard is it to get your, and I need to know your recipe for SHBG, uh, uh, Jason, <laughs> because for the life of me, I've tried, I, we've done and everything. More, I can't seem to get more, it. Having more fats in the diet and you don't do well with that. I had to get my fats up. And I had I to do the HMG, HCG, and Clomid. And man, so I felt like a, a basket case. When you have somebody, Chris, who has a high test, let's just say of a thousand, and their free test is low, how are you bringing that up? Good question. So the um, the most direct way to do that is um, I can put them on boron to decrease their SHBG, but honestly, I, I usually don't fight their SHBG. The number is what it is. You know, and, um, and I just use that number to understand, you know, them and their engine. So I know that if they're the opposite, then I need to see their testosterone higher. You know, I need to, I need to see them at a testosterone of 2000 because then they might feel like a guy that has a testosterone of 900. What's a good free test level optimal range that you're looking at? Like, what is that? Cause I know that they just threw out numbers, but like, I'm just talking for everyday person. Like what's a good range where you're like, okay, that's, that, that seems pretty good. And I know that you go off of biofeedback a lot, which I love. Give us a number. <laughs> yeah. You hold me to that. So I'd say somewhere, somewhere around, you know, uh, it, it, I see, I don't, I don't, I don't somewhere go off numbers, but the body doesn't go off numbers. So <laughs> I'd say I'd, I'd be happy with like, you know, 180 to, you know, 400 you know i mean that's i know that's a huge range but like yeah. you know that I'm, yeah, yeah you know when you look on like lab court free test is like anything higher than 21 is like elevated you know because i think they go off well, of like now, the, now the, there's two different there's two different units there, there's depending on where, where you go the units might be like you know uh, I, I can't remember exactly off the top of my head 200 and above I think nanograms so. or picograms but then there's there's one that's like you know, 50 to 220 or something. Then there's another one that's like eight to 21, you yeah. know? So you just have to, the, 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 um, the units are different. Okay. So. Let me put Chris on the spot here. I know that he doesn't want to throw a number here. So. <laughs> Let's not throw a number out there. What, what would be a good ratio from free to total? I uh, <laughs> see again, but your ratio, like, I don't even look at right. Yeah. You can't go off of any kind of ratio. All, huh? You really can't. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. And just to throw something else out there, like, you know, I've even seen what I, what I've, what I've, as, as I've been learning more and more about SHBG and how it works, you know, there's not a, there's not as direct of a correlation with SHBG as there is free testosterone. So there's other factors that play into that. Albumin is another binding factor towards, um, towards that. And then there's, there's others in there too, you know, that, that impact how much available free testosterone we actually have you know, that are, that are even, that are out there, you know, so 
So in your opinion, Chris, and would mm-hmm. you, when you see a low SHBG, and I'm going to use myself as a guinea pig here, would you recommend, you know, let's do something to fight it? Because I, I, I think that a lot, of, a lot of it's genetics, correct? Just having low SHBGs genetics? Uh, some of it's genetics. Uh, a lot of it is, um, some of it could be stress. The SHBG comes from your liver. That's why it's so important to keep your liver clean. Um, there's a lot of things that can impact, um, your SHBG, um, metabolic syndrome can do it. Um, a virus can do it. Um, I've seen crazy things happen just with the coronavirus, you know, over the past year, um, all kinds of weird stuff can happen. So, but it does come from your liver, you know, so, so, um, but like I said, you know, once we, once we get that as a baseline, I really don't, I really don't fight your SHBG. I just use that to as a as a point of reference on how your engine works. Because I know we tried a lot of things, and my SHBG doesn't it stays the same. I mean, yeah, it usually, yeah, it, it just it is what it is. So Ron, do you have to use ADEX then? I use yeah, I do ADEX. Yeah. I use ADEX, but you know what's funny, uh, uh, Jason? I only I can't handle like 0.5. I do a quarter of a pill. Okay. And, and that's good enough for me. Like I, I have learned to manipulate and know my symptoms. So I know that a quarter pill is a sweet spot for me. Anything more, I start noticing different libido starts to take a hit when my estrogen starts going high. And even on the look, guys, for, for Gen Pop or even the competitors that are out there listening to this, I can tell a difference on the way that I look when I wake up, if my estrogen starts to creep up. And when mm-hmm. I start taking my pill, you it's start watery. getting, yeah, you start getting tighter. You start getting, I get a text message about him being fat. <laughs> he lies, <laughs> lies. This, this is awesome. So what about you, Jason? I mean, I know that you talked about your SHBG. Yeah. How do you, is that, is that a marker that you see when you, with, with your competitors a lot? And is that a concerning mark, uh, marker from, com, from the competitive body? Yeah. Goal? Well, with feet, with like my females, I see it, I see it elevated more than I see it an issue with men. Um, I'll see it elevated because of the stress, you know, that they put their body through, um, inflammation, stress, all that. So, um, you know, when I see it elevated, I know that, you know, the free test is probably going to be a poor score. Um, and I think stress right away. So, you know, I'm thinking pull back on training, um, two to three days only no failure, uh, only walking cardio, um, and I use stinging nettle root. It actually will help bring it down. And I have good success with that. About 250 mix three times a day while I'm de-stressing them. And it seems to help. I don't have a lot of uh, great things about raising it. Um, you know, yeah. that I was put on a higher fat diet and, you know, it went from four to 11. So, I mean, it worked, but like, you know. 120, fat, 120 grams of fat's a lot of fat. Yeah, dude, I hate it. You know, I'm up your liver. You you're know? almost really a low fat shredded you know and i almost keep eat all that fat and i'm like geez but um that was so let me ask you chris while jason unfreezes here for a second what do you see when you're talking about stress right when you're talking about stress are you talking about cortisol stress or liver stress for shbg so um both because they are kind of one and the same you know they're it's all one unit that all that all uh set that all goes together so whether that's physical stress emotional stress you know, um, you, you know, I, I've seen guys that, uh, that, you know, go through a, you know, they go through a bad divorce or something like that. And things are just different. Their testosterone dose that, and their, their protocol that they were using before the divorce, after the divorce, now it's now it just doesn't work the same. Wow. And we check their SHBG and sure enough, everything's off, you know? So, um, so there's a lot of factors. There's a lot of factors that, that, that play into it, you know? 
Badass guys. Well, we could dive into women's hormones, but I think right now, like we ha- we're at a really good spot right now um, to kind of wrap it up. I mean, Ron, do you have any other questions? Based yeah. On- what time is it? Yeah. Let's. I want to talk a little bit about IGF real quick. Um, and I know that a lot of a lot of okay. a lot of competitors run growth hormone, and uh, I'm very open about what I run. I run two IUs a day. Uh, and it's been uh, life changing for me. So if we can start from the competitive standpoint, so Jason, let's talk about a little bit from your from your standpoint on, on with regards to IGF and growth and how you apply it to the bodybuilding world, and then we'll talk to Chris on the other side of, spe- of the spectrum from from a from a um, Gen Pump standpoint. What do you see? What benefits of that? And we've talked about you know growth before, but I want to see more of a and maybe put you on the spot in terms of readings and what what are we looking for in terms of numbers. Here. I've found that two IUs usually put someone around 300 on IGF, somewhere around there, 300, 330. That's going to put you just a little bit high. I think that's just just a tad bit over if you hit 330. Uh, but don't quote me on that. I haven't pulled out IGF lab in a minute. Um, so four to 281. 281. Okay. So 300 would still be a little bit clinically high. So two IUs is, that's what I've seen. Um, and that's a light dose, but it's a nice starting dose. It's going to help someone stay leaner. Um, it shouldn't affect the thing with HGH is it, it can, it can make you less insulin sensitive over time there. So, you know, um, because of that, you got to balance out risk and reward, right? So two IUs I've found to be a nice sweet spot where, especially if you do like five days on two days off, you're not going to have much issues with your insulin sensitivity and things of that nature. It's more of like a a, a replacement dose. Um, It's still obviously making you a little clinically high, but it's closer, you know, 1.5 to one probably, I guess would be a replacement dose. But um, I usually start guys at two is my point. Um, And gals, I usually start girls around one. Um, It's, they hold water more. Um, and so they, they tend to not like that about it. So, uh, one IU is kind of where I start with women. Um, and then it can be worked up. I mean, growth hormone is one of those things where, you know, you hit six, seven IUs, you're going to slap on some pretty good muscle and look way rounder, but you get more side effects. Blood pressure goes up. Um, you know, you're going to have more risk for insulin sensitivity and you probably should be running insulin and that's a whole nother podcast. So, you know, that's kind of where we're at in the bodybuilding side. Um, the higher doses too, people's elbows start to ache, knees start to ache from water retention uh, within the joint. So you got to watch that as well. So a sweet spot probably is four IUs. Start someone at two IUs. If it's a w- woman, probably one IU and go from there. So if somebody's already elevated at like a, like a higher um, IGF reading, IGF reading, is it? Can you still optimize the benefits of it? Oh, sh- sure. I mean, you're just, you're, you're going to get more fat loss. You're going to get more, more, okay. more recovery. Yeah. I mean, Ron and I were talking about this the other day. And like, at, like I've shared a little bit about my hormonal stuff. Like my testosterone is tanked, tank, tank, yeah. tank, 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 tank. Right. Like, <laughs> like all three of these men on this podcast just gave, they're like, yeah, that shit shot out, dude. <laughs> my, my IGF one is always like 280, 290. Yep. And it literally awesome. I think, is what saved me. Like literally I have really great muscle density. Like oh, I've played around with some things, but even before that, I think it's like literally the only thing that saved me in the long run from even being able to get like any muscles that has always been elevated. So it's yeah. almost twice as mine. <laughs> I was at 151 <laughs> before I started my oh, two wow. IUs, but I'll tell you what, I'll, in, in answering in uh, backing up what Jason said, I noticed a huge difference going from two IUs to four IUs. Um, I just tried it and I've experimented with four IUs and, um, and we'll talk 
to my hormone specialist in a little bit because <laughs> he's listening. <laughs> uh, so I've noticed some difference. Yeah, uh, in, in from a physiological standpoint, uh, a little tighter fat tends to come off easier. Um, uh, Jason's my coach, so you've seen my pictures and in, in over the last couple of weeks, I tightened up significantly yep. over the last couple of weeks. So let's talk a little bit about that from a, uh, a uh, TR, HRT standpoint. Uh, Chris, share a little bit about you, what you see in the benefits and what ranges and et cetera, et cetera. So I'm a big fan of the, 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 the HGH family. I'll call it that um, the growth hormone family. I'm, I'm a huge fan. Um, I've been on growth hormone now, all different types of growth hormone for six years, five, six years now. And, um, and I've seen like, you know, it, it's, it's amazing. I'm, I'm not getting off it. You know, I have a, there are tons of things out there, you know, tons and tons of stuff that you can do. Um, and, and I, I come across people that are that, uh, in, in the gin pop situation that are, that are completely new to this. So they come to me and they're like, Chris, I need to be on these 10 things. I've done my research on YouTube and I need to be on all of these things. And they'll make me look like, you know, Superman. And it's like, but, but I, I've, so I've been on, I've tried and, and a lot of us, we've done a lot of different things, you know, a lot of, a lot of different um, body hacking and, you know, performance stuff. Um, HGH is on my short list of things I'm never getting off of. You know, I'll put it that way. Um, so uh, like that, and it's it, just because it is very safe, um, but it, it is it it is very different to understand how it does what it does. You know, and that's kind of what we're or the rabbit hole we're jumping into now. So um, the first thing that to under for people that uh, that most people don't always connect with in their mind is that HGH is nothing like testosterone at all. Like testosterone is a steroid hormone. So it is structurally very different. It lasts a lot longer, you know, in your body. It's designed to do different things. You know, testosterone is a very uh, linear hormone is what I call it. So, um, and most people kind of understand, it's easy to understand that. So you inject testosterone, testosterone floats around in your body and um, attaches to testosterone receptors. The receptors do testosterone work. If ever you wanna check it, you check testosterone. And hey, it's very linear, very easy. Growth hormone is not like that at all. When I say growth hormone, I collectively mean the growth hormone family. So I'm talking Samorlin, CJC1295, Ipamorlin, MK677, Tessamorlin, there's a bunch of them. And, but they're, um, they're, and then, then the growth hormone family is kind of split into two families, the Gorelin family and what I call the HGH family. I did a video on this on my YouTube channel, um, Real Science with Chris Neal. It's uh, understanding the growth hormone family um, where I kind of geek out on this whole subject. But, um, but growth hormone is not linear. It's more like, more like dominoes, which I, that's how, kind of how I describe it. So um, how dominoes are kind of, you set up dominoes in a row first, you know, and then you kind of line them up and then, um, and then you start, the dominoes start dividing, you know, and it, it turns into this big, beautiful picture. So when you knock over one domino, then it knocks over the next one and the next one, and this big, beautiful picture comes down. So that's why HGH can do so many different things so many different factors. IGF-1 is just one of the factors, just one of the dominoes in there. So if we were to pick up, say like domino number five, for instance, and look at it, it would say HGH on it. And we put it back down. The body doesn't care. It's just another domino. You know, what we want is the whole picture to come down. So IGF-1, it's one of the dominoes in the middle of this big, beautiful picture, you know? So it's not a, so my point is, is that it's not a direct correlation. So a, a lot of times, I'll have, I'll have people, and I don't know, Jason, you've probably seen this too. Like I'll have, I'll have someone that, that comes to see me. They've been on growth hormone or they've been on one of the growth hormone factors for two months. They get their labs done. They have no idea what their labs look like. And they're like, 
I haven't changed anything. The only thing I've done is growth and I feel awesome. I'm sleeping better. You know, I look better. I've lost weight. You know, everything is awesome. And we pull their, uh, their IGF one level and they're 10 points lower than they were when they started. You know, and they're like, they're like, what, what's going on? You know? And, and I see that like a fair amount, like not enough to know that like, it's, it's, there's something to it, you know, and some people are the opposite, you know, some people are like, you know, um, this isn't doing shit for me. Like I need to be on a higher dose or whatever. And so, so, but it's, it's important to understand that it is drastically different than, than just testosterone, you know? So um, as a, as a framework first, you know, I think. I have a question to close the, the, the whole um, HGH question that I had asked Chris, and I know you're a big fan of Samorland. Uh, do you see the same benefits in running human growth factor in terms of fat loss versus running Samorland or even CJC DAC? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And it's, it's just a matter of, it's just a matter of timing. I do. And it's a, it's a matter of timing and doses dosage because um, like if we, if we look at the, if we look at the dominoes again, okay. Um, the, um, the actual half-life of injectable HGH, HGH 191, you know, the good stuff or whatever we call it, you know, the, <laughs> the actual half-life is anywhere between 26 and 28 minutes, you know, which is really pretty quick. Like it doesn't, so you, you in, inject that and that it, so really it doesn't have to be long though. It needs to last long enough to do its thing and knock over the next domino. That's the biggest thing it does. Yes, there are HGH receptors, but the majority of the weight that it carries and what it does um, is to knock over the next domino in front of it and to initiate a response in the liver to do a lot of other things and to produce IGF-1 and produce other growth factors and stuff. And so that's its job, you know? And um, so now understanding the mechanism of that so now if we, that's domino number five, remember? Okay. So if, if let's look at domino number four, if we were to look at domino number four, we pick that up and look at it, it would say GHRH on it, which stands for growth hormone releasing hormone, which is synthetic Samorlin or Samorlin is a synthetic version of that. So, so it's the same thing, you know? So it, in, in the case of dominoes, it doesn't matter which one we knock over the body doesn't care. If we knock over domino number four or five or whatever, you know, you're still the whole big, beautiful picture, which is what you're after is all going to come down. When are you having people time it from an HRT standpoint? And then Jason, I want to dive into when you guys, when you have it timed from, from a um, bodybuilding standpoint. So timing wise, as far as when to take it, um, I usually tell people um, it's uh, a lot of people freak out about that, you know, from my population of folks, you know, that are not like, um, I mean, I do have, I do have uh, a fair amount of people that are like in, in the, you know, professional, you know, athletes or whatever, but for gen pop, like um, the biggest thing is that they get that in fasted, you know, or as fasted as possible, you know, especially low carbs, you know, and um, so uh, HGH, I usually tell them um, first thing in the morning on an empty stomach, if they're doing some oral and I usually tell them, you know, at nighttime, you know, but, but like for me, myself, personally, I, I, I take my, um, I've, I've been taking mine, uh, first thing in the morning because literally that's the only time during the day that I'm fasted. Like I don't, I, I don't, I don't have a fasted time, you know, all the way up through bed. Like it's first thing in the morning. I have to, that's when I take mine. Jason, what about you, know? you from a bodybuilding standpoint? And do you change it for men versus women? 
Gosh, I mean, there's a lot of applications, right? Um, you could, you know, if someone's in a fat loss phase, you could get up, take an IU, fasted, um, hit, you know, some L-carn, some things of that nature, um, maybe even one IU of Slin to drive drive the L-carn and drop blood sugar a little bit and then go to your fasted cardio and you're going to be a fat fucking burning machine. And it only takes a little bit. Um, but like if you're talking about growth in the off season, I like to hit a bolus dose um, about 15 to 20 minutes after eating with some insulin. And you're going to get, you know, one plus one is going to equal three in terms of IGF spike and what it can do in terms of pump and shuttling um, roundness uh, cosmetic look in the gym and to carry you over further. So that might look like eat your meal, three, I use a GH six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 10. I use a Humalog be at the gym within an hour because the Humalog is peaking. Now you're hitting your carbs, your creatines, your citrullines, your EAAs, and it's all being pumped and shuttled as you're training. So, and then, you know, for reference though, just real quick, when you say seven to eight, nine, I use, how many carbs are you telling them to eat with that? Cause that matters. 70, right 80, 90, you know, usually about 10, 10 per, I, per yeah, one I use per, yeah. Until someone gets used to what their body needs some people need more to cover some people need less you don't want to hit uh, 40 grams of carbs and like one scoop of cream of rice and then go hit the gym it's really important when you guys are using insulin in, in a protocol like this that you're making sure that you're hitting plenty of carbs with it hitting an intro if you need to those kinds of yeah, things i've got i've got usually 70 carbs pre 70 intro 70 post you know because you're able to use it you can shuttle it you can use it you're not going to store as much body fat etc unless you're eating a bunch of fat with it um, so, uh, but then I also use it at night too, to burn more fat. So, you know, if maybe it was, if someone's in contest prep, maybe it's one IU in the morning fasted, I do two IU, uh, pre-workout and then another one IU at bed. So the more times we can kind of hit the body with it, a little bit better fat loss, you're getting two times a fasted one time more growth oriented. So it kind of just depends on the strategy and what they're trying to do. Well, and let me, let me say this too, from a medical standpoint, when it comes to, um, uh, performance and, and that level of, of uh, usage of growth hormone, including insulin, do not even think about attempting to do that if you know you're a moron. Like if you know you're an idiot, like, and you're not, you're not sharp. Because that stuff is hard to understand. It's not easy. It one really isn't easy. looks different than one IU of growth. That's looks right. Different. Yeah. <laughs> so throwing, when he said started throwing numbers, I was like, we just got to make sure for a second. Yeah. <laughs> Those. Yeah. And you, you know, when you're over your, over your head or something. So this is not, these are not Flintstone vitamins or anything like you, you got to have someone that is, that you know is really, really good helping you. Like that's, you know, that's why, that's the reason right there why Danica Patrick, you don't see her under the hood, like working on, you know, her, her transmission. You know, she has really good people, you know, that she, that she does that, that, does, that do that for her. You know, it's, so it's, it's aces in their places. Like I always say, because um, mm -hmm. I had, we, we had a whole uh, podcast, I think on PEDs and Jason did a great job of explaining protocols. And we always say, Hey, respect the insulin because you can yeah, die. You can die. And I had a guy send me, send me a message on, on Instagram and I, check this out. So he's going to laugh. So he's saying, so when we're talking about one IU, do I feel the entire syringe? 
<laughs> I say, bro, oh, yeah. you want to die? Yeah. I said, look, you're not, wow. you're done, and you're done. Yeah, this is yeah. not a joking matter. This is this is the real deal. Like even one, like like Sonny was saying, one in, one IU of insulin is not the same as one IU of of uh, EGH. So, mm-hmm. everyone listening out there, uh, do your research and don't. I'm just telling you straight out, don't run it unless you have someone that is really well-versed in these protocols. Uh, this is not a free-for-all. We're not advocating for you to just go out and get insulin and start oh, pumping God, no. by any means. That's not the message here. We're just basically going through different factors. And, and we like to keep it very raw here at Harfax Fitness. So we wanted to share that information with you guys. Um, so with that being said, you know, we, we want to continue on. Anything else, Sonia, that you uh, you inquire about? I mean, talking about lab work and talking I mean, about- we could go on for we hours. We could go on forever. We but, have a hard time cutting off. But yeah, like, yeah. Now we're in a good spot. I think like, just like Ron said, it's kind of like, know your fucking basics first. Like, you know what I'm saying? A really good place to start would be like, you know, 500 megs of L-carn and some, some carbs. Make sure you got some sodium in there and hit it with some GDA max. That's a good starting point. You're going to feel like a fucking God in the gym. Like that's a really good place. Like we're not necessarily saying that like for these things to be usable, you have to go and put this in. We're just talking about how do you go from great to fucking phenomenal, right? It's if you're just getting started and you're looking for that good to great advantage, you can listen to our, our Perry workout nutrition one. If you're looking to add in some GH, optimize hormones, look at HRT. This is a good one to listen to, but don't just feel like because you're hearing different things on here that this is the one to step to. We're definitely on the X, Y's and Z's of protocols. And, you know, if you haven't optimized ABC, there's no point in jumping ahead. And, and another thing to add is we can't cover everything on these podcasts as much as we want to. We can. No, they got to go research. They got to go. Okay. That was interesting. And, and read. Hire a fucking great coach. Yep. And yes. educate. Even, even though you hire a coach, educate yourself. Uh, yeah. I've mentioned it in the past. I have Jason on my on my side. I have Chris I've on my got side. Jason, I've got Chris. I've got Ron. <laughs> yeah, you yeah, you got a whole team. It takes a whole team. It takes yeah. a whole it really team. really does. Absolutely. And every t- I mean, today I learned something different. And every episode. Right. Every episode that we have, we're learning something different. And that's the name of the game, guys. The name of the game is putting information out there. And if you can pick up one nugget every single time that you're listening to some really smart fucking people. And this is what I consider Jason. I consider Chris some really smart dudes. uh, We're talking about knowledge is power. But at the same time, Mm -hmm. take the time to educate yourself and ask questions and listen to people that are educated don't listen to a lot of bros that are telling you hey um you know this guy this guy's running thousand milligrams of tran and he looks he like looks good pounds. let me listen to him don't 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 oh. do that don't do that guys if you guys want to learn more too <laughs> shameless plug the physique education collective is may 20th 21st and we'll probably party through the 22nd um <laughs> yeah. it's fucking badass dude like you're talking about some of the most educated people talking about some fucking badass subjects everything from gut to thyroid cholesterol. Like, I, I don't know what everyone's presenting on, but it's just going to bring home like well-rounded information. And again, it's not just like, Hey, let's go count macros. No, this is for the coach who already knows how to count macros. You know how to take somebody through a fat loss phase, but you want to take that next level education. And you want to be surrounded by people who are, who are going to push you and, and, and develop you and, and make some badass connections. Make sure that you guys log on and get tickets. I think tickets, the prices go up next month. Yeah. in may so jump on now i think it's uh, six presenters and then two friday i'll be talking jason will be presenting chris you got an invite there you go um 
But if yeah, you, when I, this is the first I've heard of it. This sounds yes, exciting. Yes, I'm going to send you the information. It would be so much fun. It would be it, badass. It's, okay. it's funny because I know that we, you had a, an event in Tampa, right? And I was talking to Chris. Yeah, and I'm thinking, I, I would love to have Chris invite Chris. Let's, 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 let's have a powwow. So next time we do something in Tampa, oh, sure. let's coordinate ahead of time. Chris, I'll, uh, Jason. I'll be down in Tampa presenting in the fall with, uh, with the Elite Physique University. Um, so, yeah. Oh, that's awesome, man. Yeah, I would love to. I'd, I'd love to check that out. Valid, just power y'all. So check that out. The Physique Education Collective. You guys can get to get there. Dot com. Dot com. Yes. www.physiqueeducationcollective.com. I don't have a code. Nobody does. You can just go on there. So wrapping it up, guys, I want to please take the time to thank Jason for coming on. I know you're on time schedule today. Chris, always a pleasure to have you on, brother. I appreciate you. Sonia, as always, love your knowledge, love your energy. Guys, we're closing it out today. As I always say, stay positive. God first, family second. Thank you, everybody, for being on. It was a great episode. We hope that you guys enjoyed as much as we did. And we will have these guys again, I promise you. And we're out, guys. <laughs>